Hey everyone, this is Jim, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm going to read from a book called Ever Increasing Faith. I bought this back in 1986, and it was a series of sermons that was uh, preached by that were preached by Smith Wigglesworth, an English preacher. And the copyright is from 1924, so this was uh, quite some time ago. The particular edition that I have was printed in 1971, so it's looking pretty old right now. Um, but anyway. Um, Let's see here. It's This is in the chapter called uh, Righteousness. And uh, let me read this to you. It says, One day I was having a meeting in Bury. A young woman was present to be healed of a goiter. Before she came, she said, I'm going to be healed of this goiter, mother. After one meeting, she came forward and was prayed for. So uh, Smith Wigglesworth, if you've never read anything he's written before, uh, he preached pretty heavily on believe you receive, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, uh, healing, righteousness, other things like that. But that was a, a key verse in his ministry. So, um, okay, it says, after one meeting, she came forward, was prayed for. The next meeting, she got up and testified that she'd been wonderfully healed and added, I shall be so happy to go and tell mother that I've been wonderfully healed. She went to her home and testified how wonderfully she had been healed and the next year, when we were having the convention, she came again. To the natural view, it looked as though the goiter was just as big as ever, but that young woman was believing God. And soon she was on her feet, giving her testimony, saying, I was here last year, and the Lord wonderfully healed me. I wanted to tell you that this had been the best year of my life. She seemed to be greatly blessed in that meeting, and when she went home to testify, more strongly than ever, that the Lord had healed her. She believed God. The third year, she was at the meeting again. And some of the people looked at her and said, how big that goiter has become. But when testimony time came, she was up on her feet and testified, two years ago, the Lord graciously healed me of goiter. Oh, I had the most wonderful healing. It is grand to be healed by the power of God. Uh, that day, someone remonstrated with her and said, People will think there's something the matter with you. Why don't you look in the mirror? You will see your goiter is bigger than ever. That good woman went to the Lord about it and said, Lord, you so wonderfully healed me two years ago. Won't you show all the people that you healed me? She went to sleep peacefully that night, still believing God. The next day, there was not a trace or mark of that goiter. God's word is from everlasting to everlasting. His word cannot fail. God's word is true, and when we rest in the fact of its truth, what mighty results we can get. Faith never looks in a mirror. Faith has a mirror into which it can look. So, um, one of the things that, two things I want to point out about this. Notice when he made the comment that she was believing God, she wasn't believing that God was going to heal her as a future event. She believed that God had healed her two years ago uh, when she was originally prayed for. That's one of the things that when you hear people talk, 
that don't see results, their faith is always in, well, not always, but a lot of times you'll hear them say uh, as future tense that they believe that God is going to heal them. And according to Mark eleven twenty four, you have to believe that God has given you whatever it is that you require, whatever it is that you ask for when you pray, while you're praying. So if you're praying on Monday, you're believing Monday that you receive. When Friday comes, you believe you received the previous Monday. When a month goes, you believe you received the previous month. And you see the the issue that a lot of people face. And, and Before I go on, let me just um, read this one sentence again. It says, God's word cannot fail. God's word is true. When we rest in the fact of its truth, what mighty results we can get. So if you believe that the Bible is true, and you believe you receive, and you believe that that God is true, I don't even know what other way I can put it, then within your own heart, failure is impossible. When you get to the part where in your own heart you honestly believe that failure is impossible, that's faith. And that's something that grows in the heart. You cannot, it's not a matter of intellectualizing it. And the problem that I see today and the main problem I've experienced in my own life after doing this since the mid-80s is that whenever there is a delay to something, your mind or the people around you or things that you read, there's a million and one um, belief systems that have excuses worked into them why you shouldn't um, believe that God hears and answers prayers all the time. For example, as much as people talk about the people who succeed, you hear over and over again about the people who failed. You hear stories about people who prayed and people who believed and yet the people died anyway. But you, that message is nowhere to be found in the Bible. In other words, it's impossible for you to believe, according to the Bible anyway, and you not receive. Receiving is a result of believing. Not receiving is a result of doubting or wavering. So we build up a lot of teachings. There's a lot of teachings because there's a lot of disappointed people out there. And I, I totally understand that. I know what it's like, how frustrating it could be that if you don't see something and months or years are going by and you still don't see it, then you think either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Um, and you're trying to be steadfast with all that you have in you, according to your own understanding. And after a while, it can get to the point where you just don't even want to be bothered with it anymore. And when that happens, then you're just basically practicing uh, religious activity. Religion is faith without power, basically. It's not really real faith. It's just a form, but it doesn't have any power attached to it. For example, and I want to read you some more scripture verses, but I remember when I was younger, I went to a certain church, and the pastor there said, you'll hear about miracles, but you'll never experience them yourself. It'll always be a story that you hear that somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. You'll never actually see it with your own eyes, um, let alone experience it. And his 
both of his daughters had um, diseases they were suffering from, and they were the nicest little girls. I don't know whatever happened uh, with them, but they would be full-grown uh, women by now, of course. Um, you know, Lord willing, if they're still living, I don't even know, but they had serious problems. And we see a lot of evil things happen. And the Bible says pretty clearly that for lack of knowledge, God's people perish. So God's left us uh, with his word, and we have the Holy Spirit with us in the New Testament. Matter of fact, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. I know that's hard for some people to believe. They wish that he was still here. They could go, they could go up to him and have him uh, lay his hands physically on them. That's just an issue of unbelief, right? I mean, we saw the same thing in the Gospels when the disciples tried to get results and occasionally they came up in a situation where things didn't happen and they went to Jesus about it and basically Jesus uh, rebuked them for their unbelief and their doubt. So um, one of the scriptures, let me read this to you. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, this is from verses 11 through 15, the American King James Version. It says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. So, we see that in this contemporary example. Well, actually, it's before our time, not exactly contemporary, but in this book, Ever Increasing Faith, the testimony of this woman coming forward two years later and still saying that God healed her two years previously and how wonderful it was. She was healed by faith, not by sight. She was healed by faith, not by feeling. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. For you have need of patience. For you have need of patience. I'm reading that three times. That, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So Abraham had patience. He had perseverance. Matter of fact, it was 25 years before he saw the answer. Now, I'm not saying that you should plan for a 25-year um, uh, fight of believing before you see anything, but notice, uh, th again, that, that woman's testimony. She had rest and she had peace. She believed she had received two years previously. Finally, she got to the point where people were just getting on her about it. Same thing's going to happen to you if it hasn't happened already. You tell somebody you're trusting God. You tell somebody you've believed God. You tell somebody you've wonderfully received the answer. And they're going to say, what's wrong with you? Don't you see how desperate your situation is? How long are you going to keep your head in the clouds? How long are you going to keep fooling yourself? 
How long are you going to lean on this make-believe crutch? They'll tell you all kinds of things like that. There's something in our natural minds that will actually, if you allow it to, rise up and say, yeah, that makes sense. How long are we going to do this? And then discouragement settles in. And then what happens? Not much. You get mad at God. You get mad at yourself. You get mad at the people that you know. And let me tell you something. Your faith, what does it say? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has not small recompense of reward, but great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So you might think, well, what is the will of God that I have to do? And it says it right there. Cast not away your confidence. The will of God is that you don't cast away your confidence, but you keep believing day after day after day. I believe I've received it, and I believe I have it now. I believe I received it, and I believe I have it now. I believe I received it, and I believe I have it now. Mark eleven twenty four says, believe you receive it, and you will have it. So the you will have it part comes after you've done the will of God. You may have to say, I believe I receive it for the next, I don't know, 365 days. I don't know. There is not a, you know, we can look at the Old Testament and, and, and see examples of delay of prayer when Daniel prayed. And, you know, I used to think that was a good example. I don't know if that's accurate, if it works that way anymore. But here's the thing. We don't have to understand how it works. The only thing we have to understand is that it's our job not to cast away our confidence, but to keep patiently believing day after day after day. Not believing that God's going to do something, as in future tense, but believing that he's already done it. Just read through the Old Testament. You see that God calls those things which don't exist as though they did. God said, I've given the enemy into your hands. He told the Israeli people that. And the battle hadn't even taken place yet. He told Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations before he ever had a child. So you can see then that faith and patience work together. Now, people would rather follow those who through faith and maybe the gifts of the Spirit receive miracles. Or they would rather follow those who say... Um, you know, I was struggling in this area, and I read this particular verse of Scripture, and I walked around my house three ways, uh, binding and loosing the enemy, and then I walked around in another three ways, and then I shouted, and then the next thing I know, my whole situation had changed. So, you know, we hear about things like that, and then in the back of your mind, you may think, well, maybe that's a shortcut. Maybe I should try that. And then you move out of that place where you believe you have it into the other place where you believe you're going to get it. And see, that's where the disconnect happens. And I can tell you that this, it's the one thing or the one area that I have to remind myself all the time. If I don't see it yet, it can be very subtle. I can start just walking by sight and thinking that tomorrow may be my day or next month this is going to be a better year. Or, no, the Bible says that faith believes it receives when it prays, not after it prays, not two or three weeks later. 
And hope, when the Bible talks about hope, that's what keeps your heart from failing when outwardly you don't see what you thought you were going to see. In other words, hope gives you a reason to keep on keeping on. So if I know that God's promise is good and that I know that God watches over his word to perform it, and then I know the righteousness that enables me to receive from God isn't something that I do on my own, but the free gift that belongs to me through Jesus. When I know those that it's not a performance-related type of thing, and I rest in that, then the Holy Spirit will cause me to do all the things that I need to do. It's no longer a matter of sitting down and intellectually saying, okay, what do we need to do, and how do we keep with it? Because... What ultimately happens is that in the natural, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? We do things a certain way. We get caught in these loops where we look around and it says, wow, we're, we're back in the same situation again. Um, and, and then after a while, your mind will say, well, you've been in this situation before and you'll probably be in it again. I notice that people that have maybe health problems, they just keep on having health problems, People that have money problems, and they just keep on having money problems. People that have relationship problems, well, they just keep on having relationship problems. And they hear different things, and they try different things, and nothing seems to work out the way they thought it would when they first get started. Because when you first hear it, you're full of hope. But then what happens is, for whatever reason, this time you think it's going to be quick. And it's not. So what I'm telling you is, according to the Bible itself, you can read these scripture verses for yourself. Um, again, Hebrews chapter 6, it says, verse 12, that you be not slothful or that you be not lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, Inherit is another way of saying receive the promises. How you receive the promises as a, a physical, visible experience is by not being slothful, but following those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I mean, if we had, if I, I don't know how the system works. I don't believe that God withholds anything because the Bible says he, was, he will withhold no good thing from those who ask. But... I do know that as people, we're not, we're not perfect, and that if we got everything immediately, um, that we, we'd probably be train wrecks, right? We, I mean, we would have all of these things going on. We would probably use our prayer and, and faith life as uh, totally self-centered. So, and there's nothing wrong with asking for things that you need, and it's not even wrong to ask for something that you like or you want. Because Jesus himself said, um, Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. The Bible says it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? So, on the other hand, we're living in a fallen world, and there's people around us dying every day. So it's not just about, okay, we're in the kingdom of God now, and now it's just about us and our you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. There's other people on the outside who need what you have. There's other people on the outside who need an encouraging word from you, who need your help, who need your faith to lean on. 
and you can become that person. So this is a complete, well-rounded, all-inclusive gift of salvation that you've been given. Only because it doesn't happen, when you just snap your fingers and it's there like that, I mean, it doesn't happen. Jesus, the Bible says, was given the spirit without measure. And, you know, God sees the end from the beginning. He already said that he will not suffer or allow you to be te tested, tempted, or tried above that which you're able to withstand. But with every test, in every trial, in every circumstance, he makes a way of escape. So, he'll make the way of escape. Maybe you choose not to take it once you find it. But that way of escape is there. Okay, let's just switch gears for a, a minute and just consider a few things. All things being equal, you could walk a thousand miles. I mean, literally. Uh, even if they're, even if you're not uh, young or in a hundred percent condition or anything like that, it might take you a while. But one step at a time, you can walk a thousand miles. Who knows how long it'll take you? But the point is this: God will not allow you to be tested above that which you're able. In other words. If right now you were, you were put under the microscope, under God's microscope, and he sees that at, at the most you have six-month faith. In other words, you're just not developed enough. I think of a child, right? A child goes and they learn and they grow. And spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth. So the child goes into the gym. Somebody doesn't just put 200 pounds on a bell bar and, and teaches them how to lift weights. They start with something um, – lighter, something that they can handle, or exercising or running. The, the child just doesn't go out there or the teenager doesn't go out there and run a marathon the first time. They train and their coach or whoever's overseeing them uh, makes sure that they get the most out of what they have without hurting themselves, all things being equal, right? Well, God is watching over you. He knows exactly how much you can take. And he's not bringing the evil against you. He's not saying that, okay, let's, let's bring evil against him. That way he'll, he or she will believe, and that way they'll grow. Some people actually believe that. But read the Bible closely, and you'll find that in the book of James, it goes into that. Matter of fact, the book of James, chapter 1, um, starting in the second verse, it says, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let patience have her perfect work. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Nothing is no means nothing. It covers everything. Faith and patience and perseverance covers absolutely everything. And in the same chapter, it says that uh, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I mean, if he's bringing the problems as well as bringing the solution and he has this thing set up where he's, he's basically using the devil to help us grow. I mean, some people actually believe if you believe that, then, then God's also kind of your problem then, isn't he? Right? Because he's the one that's determined that you have to face this thing, um, I don't want to go too off into that, but the reason why I'm, I'm throwing some of these thoughts out there the way I am is because we have these ideas, and these ideas are 
are stumbling blocks to us. They keep us from going much further than we've already gone. And as we approach a new year, this is the time where we sometimes look at our lives. We see where we've come from. And the older that you get, you start to wonder, um, you know, what, what does tomorrow really hold? And, and have I really done everything that I'm capable of doing or maybe that God has meant for me to do? And I say the answer to that is absolutely no if you're listening to this. Because once you've completed your course, once you've run the race, there's no reason for you to be here. You know, the Bible says, what long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. It says that. But, you know, once we've run our course, then our time here is over. You know, we're not, thank God, we don't have to be here for 500 years or 1,000 years. That we each have a race to run. We each have a course that's set before us. And if just an example of the goodness of God. It's the example of the man who looked for the laborers to work in his fields. I mean, some of the laborers worked at the beginning of the uh, shift. Some worked through the heat of the day. And others worked just in the last hour. But when it came time for payment, they all got paid the same amount. I mean, is that amazing or what? They each got paid. And, and the, some of the people grumbled. But the man was generous. And the people that worked less time got paid the same amount. So... You look at your life and maybe you're thinking, well, you know, what am I doing? Where am I at? What's going on? And what, what I want to just share with you is stop worrying about what somebody else's course is like and stop comparing yourself to other people. You have your own course. You have your own race that's set before you. And when all said and done, God is going to look at the heart. It's not about having the... Um, you know, the most prestigious place in this world. That really has nothing to do about it. It's all about the three things, faith, hope, and love, and how we share those things with the world around us and the people around us, our relationship with them, and our relationship with God. So let me give you the scripture verses so that you can look them up on your own. The first is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Next is Hebrews Chapter 6, verses 11 through 15. Then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Go over those verses, read them to yourself, write them out on a piece of paper. Insert your name in there if it helps you. Just remember that the Bible doesn't say to follow those um, who through faith inherit the promises. The, God, the Bible says follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 6.12. And it says don't be lazy. Let me leave you with that. If somebody tells you don't be lazy, what does that tell you? That means that you have some things to do. It's not time to just fold your arms over your chest and, and shut your eyes for a nap. That means do it. Don't be lazy. Follow them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Okay, that is it for now. Um, thanks for listening. Again, this is Jim. Happy New Year to everybody. I hope your 2017 is better than your 2016. And I will see you the next time. 
For more information, if you want to go to the website, that address, which I forgot to give when I first started, is www.faithtestedbyfire.com. That address again is www.faithtestedbyfire.com.